Lucky we didn't go with Beef Station on a podcast about Rolf Harris. That would have really bit <laughs> yeah. us in the ass. There's just some things where you don't know that they're going to age poorly, but... Uh, they, Beef Station, you know. a podcast about Rolf Harris, yep. Woody Allen. Yep. <laughs> well, it basically fucking is a podcast about Woody Allen, thanks to you. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Hello. Here we are, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shoot me in the head and call me James. Oh, fuck, is it? I I can't tell. Well, I'll tell uh, you what I thought was going to be an impossible mission, Andrew. Uh, Recording an episode about the new fucking James Bond movie. Yeah, I never thought it would happen, but... It um, it still might not. We we haven't properly started yet. That's true. This this still might never come out. That's true. (laughs) But we will be... This is the last episode of Beef Station ever. Yeah. So we're done. We've just been waiting for this. (laughs) We were... Yeah, exactly. If I have to do another episode of Beef Station, I will slit my wrists or accept $200 million, whichever comes first. Well, we can't do it anymore because we always have to start off with our famous section, the news about the latest James Bond film. I'm actually a little disappointed. And there's no more of this. Yeah. So. so this we, we thought about it before. It, it hasn't really felt like too long between drinks for James Bond, but it's been fucking six years, bro. Yeah. We have not. Maybe this isn't old, that obvious because I looked up when Spectre came out and it was like six years ago. But like mm. honestly, we haven't had a James Bond movie since we started doing the podcast, and that that felt really amazing. And then I looked at when Spectre came out and was like, oh, it's not. Okay, fine. We haven't been doing the podcast for six years. It certainly felt like it, brother. It certainly felt like it. Yeah, sure. But, you know, if it has you say so. <laughs> so this this week of course we're going to be doing giving you a spoiler-free review of No Time to Die later on in the episode. We'll probably we might, we'll probably spoil, spoil some stuff, shit, but yeah. you know, we're not going to yeah, spoil Yeah, we got to talk about the ending. Yeah, we're not going to spoil shit about the movie until we warn you. So stay yeah. tuned. Uh it's been a bit. So we got some other stuff to catch up on, but yeah, no. It's just been a bit. It's been a bitch, brother. <laughs> 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 Speak on it. <laughs> What's been going it's, uh, on? It's been so long. My new, my new nickname is Bitch Brother, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a you. <laughs> We're back, baby. <laughs> Great. Okay, so we yeah. already started, but that would have been a good cold open. So. <laughs> it's just a cold middle. <laughs> Maybe we can play that and go like, <laughs> and then go all the way back to this point. It's been like Tenet. Back to the future. The, fir- yeah. the, f- the first three minutes of this were like Tenet. Yeah, you got to play the first three minutes backwards. Yeah, yeah, Fuck. great. Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, we'll be getting into a bit of a no time to die later on in the episode. But first, we'll do a bit of news. We'll do, we'll do a bit of beef. We'll catch you up on what's been going on. Mm. Uh, we'll overshare. We'll tell you about some personal shit. You got, any, <laughs> you, got, you got any personal little shit to talk about before we hit the news? You got any STDs or anything like that? Is that that's your first protocol <laughs> for personal stuff? <laughs> I've been what venereal disease. Do I've you been meaning to ask for a few weeks, Great. bro. Then we can finally take these these, these wind socks off the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that herpes simplex, brother, brother, which would be the one that would matter for microphones, unless you're fucking the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, with, the amount, know, with the amount of you know? piping hot gags that are coming out, sometimes it does feel that way. Laying piping the, hot gags. The microphone's got to, lie, got to lie down and smoke a cigarette or two after this I'm podcast. I'm blowing out the back walls of this mic. 
<laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, I'd say mussy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and then the microphone says, OMG me. <laughs> anyway, were you trying to introduce the news or something? Yeah, That's I was. Do you want to get going with the news? Sorry, I want to fuck it. I'm on one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're, war- we're warm now. This is fine. Good. Baseball. All right, we're back on June. We're back in business. You said back. Ba- oh, I thought you said back on Dune. I was like, <laughs> you <What>? saw it? <laughs> we're back on coffee. Back on what? <laughs> Here we go. You're on Earth. I'm on fucking Arrakis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, first bit of news headlines. Oscar hasn't read Dune, so he doesn't know that Arrakis is the name of the planet. But uh, no. <laughs> Beef <laughs> Bulletin. Chris Pratt. Uh, has been announced as the controversial voice actor for a popular cartoon character. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear Chris Pratt's Italian accent, Shut which up, he will surely Garfield. be deploying in the film. Oh fuck, this is a different news he's, story. Yeah, he's also Garfield. Yeah, I saw this. So this is just like we're, we're in the the CCU, the so, Chris Pratt, all one word, the Chris Pratt cinematic universe, where Chris Pratt voices every single cartoon. Yeah, character. I have thoughts on this. So I think um so. Okay. I actually kind of like Chris Pratt. Felix from Chapo. I don't. I, Felix from Chapo Trap House has his. He tells this story about his dad, and the best idea. His dad's like a big liberal, and so he doesn't have a huge number of. Or I might be doing him dirty there, but he at one point in history was a huge liberal, and so he doesn't have the best ideas about politics. But because leftism is better, not because like being on. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but he said the best idea he's ever had. Watch this come back to the podcast. The best idea he's ever had is that when you are elected president, you serve out your term, yeah, and then you are summarily executed. So what's this got to at do at the with end of your term? And it means that if you'll only take the chance of being elected as president if you really fucking think, yeah. you're going to have the best interests of the country in mind. So you reckon they've got to do this with the, the with the voice cast of Garfield? Absolutely. As well. Any film that pays above like. I don't know, $100,000 salary to right. an actor. It's like, this is the last one, brother, but you will yeah. be remembered if you give a good enough performance for doing a great piece of art <laughs> and sacrificing yourself to humanity. And I think Chris Pratt is long overdue for being... Uh, Executed. <laughs> being terminated for oh. one of his roles that he's done. <laughs> or is yeah. this like... Maybe- you can have Mario or you can have Garfield, bro. Right. You can't have Mario and Garfield. You can't be both Mario and Garfield. Or maybe instead Also, of- Bill Murray's also the only Garfield that's ever been good. So... Also the only Garfield. Oh, there was that, like, that cartoon... Yeah, there was a cartoon one. Yeah. But, I mean- well- Bill Murray's fucking iconic. I feel maybe, like he is Garfield. Maybe it should be that thing where there's like a there's like a roster of like big actors for these big AAA Hollywood movies, and you get like one every five years. Yeah, I'm 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 up for a cool down period. Or like know? one yeah. every year, and then you get a refactory. Period yeah, exactly. You can't fucking bust again until yeah, <laughs> a couple of years, five years, yeah. whatever. But yeah, and then you just put them on a retainer. Mm. But yeah, I hate this. Chris Pratt. My here's my thing. I feel this way about a lot of actors because I know that they've then got pulling power because everyone's going to go and see the Garfield movie. Yeah. But Chris Pratt is not that fucking good of an actor. I've liked him in everything I've seen he's him in. He's fine. Man. I, I, there's nothing I, he's wrong He's great with in him Parks and Rec. I really like him attitude. in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he's good in that. He's a bit of a weird. He's one of those that gives you like weird, like Tom Cruisey kind yes, of culty vibes well, yeah, in real life. And he's like a shithead yeah. in real life because yeah. he's part of that fucking horrible church thing. Yeah. But um, he's just not. He's. 
completely unremarkable as an actor. Like he's I think it's funny. I think he's a good comic actor. Yeah, fine. But I don't have like strong feelings about it. There's lots of good comic actors. I just think it's weird that I always think like, oh, Chris Pratt, but like everything I've seen him in, I've liked. Like, it's but there's lots of good comic actors. So it's yeah, not like so. Chris yeah. Pratt needs to be fucking Garfield. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's just I, because I just, he's the big popular I just choice hate it. or whatever. It feels like yeah, yeah. They should like there should just be a mandate where as I don't know maybe the audience has to be the deciding factor and they're just little piss pigs and they're like oh my god Chris Pratt. Listeners, like you're letting us down. You guys. No, I'm talking about the broader audience of films, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's code word for Marvel. <laughs> that's what we got. Speaking, speaking of which, oh, no, 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 no. So there was a follow-up news story about the Mario shit. Did you see this? Well, he said he's not doing an Italian he accent. He is not doing an Italian accent. They have confirmed, which is really weird. He is not doing an Italian accent, which I think has added to my uh, previous opinion. Because like, if it's like, not like why? if he's doing this transformative vocal performance where he is audibly not. Recognizable as Chris Pratt, I can see but why he's I'm now stuck in some fucking Twilight realm where he's not doing the Mario Italian voice, but he's not doing Chris Pratt. Like, what do you mean I he's not know. doing Chris Pratt? Well, I don't know. I assume that he's going to have some sort of affectation. It's not just going to be fucking Star Lord <laughs> yeah, he's walking doing around. Chi- he's doing a Chinese like, accent. <laughs> it's me, Mario. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, like, that's true. They yeah. haven't ruled out that he's doing an accent. Yeah. He's Lithuanian. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like he's, Latvian Mario. He's finally worked out how hieroglyphics are pronounced. That's his accent. Yeah, Ancient yeah, yeah. Egyptian. Yeah, he speaks. Uh, yeah, fucking. Uh, damn it, idiot. Sanskrit. Probably I was going to say Sanskrit. Yeah you, yeah, you fucked up. Aramaic. Yeah. That's the one I was looking for. <laughs> Aramaic's the one I was going for. Anyway, cut that in for me, will you? Yeah, I will. I'll cut in me saying it. Yeah. You dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's insane that he's not doing an Italian accent, if it that's true. It is insane. Because and like, I don't even care. I can kind of see like someone be like, well, wh- why is it okay to have... Why is it not okay to have a poo in The Simpsons be played by a white guy? But why is it then okay to have like a white guy put on a hammy Italian accent? Yeah, I think it's because most of the time now, Italians aren't uh, uh, held... <laughs> to the same level of like structural violence that people of color are, but yeah, I could sort I'm of see like how far <laughs> I can see how far you can get down that rabbit hole. Though, yeah, right? I about mean, being it makes like, sense. We can't like it's like it's some Mario is probably fine, but if we have like Chris Pratt for two hours doing this crazy doing ass Italian thing. accent, I, then like I could see how you'd move away from that. But it also seems like a shit decision to. I think that lends itself really well into the question. Why, Why is there a, Mar- a Mario yeah. film, <laughs> bro? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I don't. <laughs> Why it's actually you, sorry. You fi- it's actually why is there a Mario Brothers? Fi- oh, I forget. Uh, it yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's another one that I thought was pretty funny, and I think the reason it's funny is something that you said. I just got the joke that you made. No, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. You said yeah. No, it's fine. That's good. Listeners, if you didn't get it, then just on on the re-listen when you go back from to episode one and start all over again. I, I think I feel like most people would have gotten. They probably got it. Uh, Ridley Scott blames the last jewel box office failure on millennial audiences. Quote, what we've got today are the audiences who were brought up on these fucking cell phones. <laughs> it's quoting David Lynch. The, mil- the millennium who do not ever <laughs> want to be taught anything unless you get taught it on a cell phone. You can do like a ridiculous British accent because he is a... He is a British. Woman, I didn't know so that. <laughs> this is a this is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. This is a misdirection that has happened where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to this l- latest generation. I think. 
it's so actually, this motherfucker it's actually doesn't, meta, you fucking idiot. This motherfucker doesn't know what a millennial is, for one. Yeah, I know. Millennials are about, 40 now, bro. Yeah, exactly. You pointed <laughs> out like how funny it is that like old Hollywood fuckwits think that young people are millennials. Yeah. And when they want to blame things on young people, they blame one of the millennials. Yeah, there are 40-year-old millennials yeah. who do not know how to use iPhones. You immediately sound completely out of touch yeah. when you say like... Millennials as this derisive yeah, term. and exa- also, and he goes on to say in this article like, nah, that, or he was apparently on some podcast. Uh, he was on the Mark Maron podcast, and he said like, no, nah, Disney did a and great he was like, job. What the fuck's this? Yeah, he's like, Disney did a great job with promotion. And mm. I'm like, fucking clearly not, man. I, I literally didn't know what it was. Uh, yeah, this, it, yeah, exactly. It so it's got Matt Damon in it, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it's got, right, it's got the chick from Killing Eve uh, in it, and she, she's great. Uh, Jodie Cormer. Uh, What's but- it called? <laughs> no, Disney did a great job marketing operation. No, no, I keep it's thinking called, of the last. It's called dance. the last jewel. Jewel. I keep thinking yeah. of the last dance, and that's obviously the the MJ uh, docker. I don't know. Like, I feel like if what he's saying is I've made a do- a dumb old movie for dumb old people, and young people aren't interested in seeing it, yeah. then yeah, I suppose you're probably right. Yeah. No offense, brother, but what did you think when you made an epic historical drama film? But also, like, you thought uh, that was gonna fucking flock but, the zoomers. But also, the fucking Chalamet movie. That was good. Dune. <laughs> no. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. The King. The King. But I don't think anyone saw that either. It's on our, it's on our radar, though. We're film twinks. Because Netflix, it's on the front page of Netflix every time. Yeah. But the difference being, I'm not going to a cinema to watch that. No. I am clicking on Netflix, and Netflix is putting it right the fuck in front of and me. And also, just the idea that And he, I know it's David Michaud, because I'm a fan of Animal Kingdom. Just the idea that he... Yeah, of course. Sorry. I've remembered that this is a box office thing. The idea that this motherfucker thinks that the problem is, like millennials on their iPhones and yeah. not the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah, so I like, assume the people don't want to learn is like, well, no one wants to see a thing about history now anymore. <laughs> yeah, no like, one's interested in history anymore. Like, like, what the yes, fuck? they are. Shut up, dude. Yeah. No one wants to see a history <laughs> movie directed by Ridley Scott, I think. But also, I, I yeah, I, I like, literally just don't... And the cast is amazing. I don't mind Ridley Scott. Um, it's starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver as well. Yeah. Who, who like, I don't, They're I haven't huge. seen Everyone the, loves that Adam the other Driver. two actors that you listed yeah. are in, um, Jodie Comer, but Ben Affleck as well. Like, yeah, it's fucking massive. Be- people love these people. People love Ridley yeah. Scott. It's like, uh, I don't know. Sucks that this dude's movie's doing badly. Sucks that he feels bitter about it, but like, <laughs> shut up, bro. Yeah, but just don't <laughs> put a public statement out there like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's well, got, yeah, it's got. I feel like I've seen this headline okay reviews. the last three the last <laughs> few so fucking funny. Studio Ghibli movies that I've seen mm. the headline before it comes out is like Hayao Miyazaki is coming out of retirement to make one more film Great. this motherfucker has come out of retirement like three times hasn't he? I don't know dude just won't retire I just want to leave him to make his little movies if he wants to I think he wants to I, th- I think he um uh, it, say- it says here um, every but have you seen the photos of him like <laughs> how stressed he looks all the time. I feel like every movie <laughs> yeah. visibly ages this man, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently he just loves making movies. There was an interview uh, with his grandson who apparently directed a Ghibli movie recently. Damn. And this grandson was saying that he think son or something. I don't know. This dude said that he reckons that Miyazaki returned to filmmaking just because he like needed to create something in order to live. Like this mm. dude was like going crazy re- in retirement. Um, so I feel that. Good on him. Mm. Uh, keen to see another one of the movies from the big dog himself. Speaking of big movies from big dogs, Paul Thomas Anderson says all movies should preferably be two hours long. That's when they're at their best. I agree. Paul Thomas Anderson, famously director <laughs> of that really fucking long movie. Yeah. 
Not quite the Irishman, but yeah. Not quite the Irishman. Not Quirishman. But it was um uh, uh fucking uh what's the what's the movie with the big dong? Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is a really long movie. Uh and Magnolia is a really long movie. Yeah. But I mean he might be acknowledging like I couldn't tell the story unless because the script was a thousand pages long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better when they're not. But I agree. I, I think this ninety minutes shit is like there's a certain type of movie, like Green Room, perfect example. Lends yeah. itself extremely well being ninety minutes. It's fucking clean. Shiva Baby, another one that we've talked about yeah. on the podcast. That movie shouldn't be longer than ninety minutes because it's torturous. It's tight. Yeah. So and it's so t- like, exactly. It's it's um it's just such a clean script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got really caught up on the fact that I was going to be like, it's fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you would have heard me hesitate, and that's yeah, why yeah. my brain just like locked up for a second. It's, it's it's tight, just the way I and like it. And I was it. caught between making <laughs> one of the yeah, like a oh, it's so fucking tight, bro. <laughs> jokes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why. Yeah, I had to say that. Oh, Sorry, fuck. listeners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think two hours is like enough time to let a script breathe. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a two-hour film and thought, oh. Jesus fucking Christ, like, yeah. this is going on forever, you know? Yeah, two and yeah. a half, 2.45, yeah, sure, I've mm. definitely been there, but two hours is good, I think. I agree. Yeah, cool. I agree, Me PK. too. Um Next headline, I, I got a few a few ones. I know I'm kind of going a bit along, but I think it's some interesting stuff. Uh, in the last few weeks, there's been some uh, announcements coming out about Christopher Nolan's next project. Sure. Called an, Oppenheimer. Film. Oh, that's right. It's the one about the, it's a film about the Manhattan Project uh, with Killian Murphy as Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, story here the, uh, is that... Eponymous. Op- eponymous. He's the eponymous Oppenheimer. Do you understand? Because, so there's a... No, go on. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I reckon I get it. I, I think not because what you were saying. I was, I was, I was crying because I was thinking about it, okay. and I got it. Cool. Like a second before you gave up, I and it's one of those jokes where you laugh on the inside. Yeah. 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 Cool. Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. are going to be in the movie, man. Okay. <laughs> Fuck me off. <laughs> All right. Last one is Beatles Corner, bitch. Uh, All right. Yeah, so okay. uh, this Beatles movie, uh, you'll all be surprised to announce, is supposed to be coming out tonight. So. I don't I know have which been... Beatles film you're talking about. What? I don't know which Beatles film you're talking about. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fucking with you. I don't, I'm not. Who's, is the it? Peter Jackson Beatles documentary about, oh, about the right. get, get Back. Yeah, I think I memory hold it. <laughs> if, you'd asked me what the oh, latest, what? if you'd asked me what the latest project that Peter Jackson did was, I would have said the World War I one. <laughs> right. <laughs> So he's using that technology that he did from restoring their World right, One footage yeah, to restore so. all this like hidden footage from this new. I'm sure you've talked about it like six or seven I have, times. Yeah. On this podcast, so the yeah. new. Sorry. So 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 the new bit of information that I found out about that I've gotten quite excited about, and uh, I'm keen to go back and watch Is it right it's after going this into tonight. Your eyeballs tonight. <laughs> uh, so the Beatles. Uh, it's it's focuses on a, a recording Band sessions and rehearsing rehearsals and recording and writing sessions that they had all filmed and like audio recorded which they'd never done for an album before mm. and so like all the rehearsals and all the songwriting happened like on a sound stage where they were recording it and they had like audio tracks going just like mono audio tapes which is the problem I'm going to get to in a second just like a mono audio recorder just going the whole time and then every now and then they'd fang on the video camera so it meant that over the course of a few weeks they had like hundreds of hours of archival audio and like 50 hours of footage yeah shit okay uh, and in the end, in like 1970, they came out with like an hour-long documentary that was kind of slapped together, and they didn't re- they didn't really like it, and it was kind of this depressing movie, and it wasn't released at the right time because it was released when the Beatles broke up, and so it just it kind of like didn't didn't go very well. Sure, uh, and they've sat on like 
50 hours of footage and 200 hours of audio and never released it until like just recently Peter Jackson has been going through and syncing up all the audio to the video restoring all the video and the bit that I'm talking about now is that they got like a neural network artificial intelligence type computer program and they fed all of the mono audio into the thing and this computer program has split it all into stereo tracks Okay. So from the mono audio, they've split it into like John's voice, Paul's voice. So it's taught, they've taught the computer like what John's voice sounds like and what Paul's voice sounds like. The guitars, the drums and all that shit. And so all the rehearsals where like they're doing these harmonies, but John's really off mic, they can balance it properly. And they said that a big thing is that the Beatles were getting really sick of being filmed all the time, but they'd already like committed to this project (laughs) and they were kind of sick of like being on this soundstage and it's... One of the reasons why the movie's a bit depressing is because some people say it's like a there's some there's all these arguments and it's kind of almost a documentary of them breaking up. Right. It's kind of not, but like it means that they're quite frustrated for a lot of the audio and a lot of the video. Sure. And so they would apparently deliberately like turn the amps way up and just strum the guitars with like just random noise, just so they could have a private conversation. Oh wow, okay. And because it would completely blow the mics out. But the cool thing is that this computer program can strip out the guitars and just get the voices. (laughs) And so there's all these extra conversations and all these extra clips and all this extra music and all this extra content. uh, And it's coming out today. It's. I'm excited for you to watch it. But that is funny that they're like, um, one of them's fucking dead now, so we don't have to respect his wishes at the time. So fuck that. Fifty <laughs> yeah. percent of consent is, yeah, yeah, is void yeah. now. So I, I feel we like can just do whatever uh, we want. Well, apparently it's interesting. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's interesting because I think at the time they looked back on it very bitterly because like they finished the project while they were breaking up. Yeah. Uh, and then the film has a lot of arguments that I think made them feel self conscious watching it back. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's been long enough. And they they had like forgotten. Uh, they've said uh, the Beatles and like Paul and Ringo have said recently in interviews, like they forgot how much like fun they had. And while mm. watching rough cuts for this movie, they're like, oh, I forgot like all these times when we good were like moments. laughing and all these good moments yeah, and having yeah. fun. So I feel like it's been long enough removed that I'm sure all of them would have been keen to receive. But you're right. I think George and John were the most cynical ones about it anyway. Like. Yeah, it's just funny that (laughs) uh, this person has taken extraordinary attempts to cover their conversation and have a private moment. And they're like, we figured out a way around it. We got a neural network to fucking... (laughs) It only took us 50 years, (laughs) 70 years, but we figured it out. Yeah. So like, and apparently they only just figured that neural network artificial intelligence shit out like a month ago. Oh, okay. Or like a couple, like very recently, like a month so before it, starting. Already. Yeah, and yeah. so all these delays have probably been good, and it's like seven hours long, and it's coming out, and that's all Holy I'm going to say fuck. about the Beatles movie until next okay, week when we do it. Cool. All right. <sighs> nice. Have you watched Clean. any other movies this week? I did. Shut so up. I was. Um, here's I the, was here's the shut up. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. 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 But at other times, when Andrew's not yammering on... Yeah, when I forget to shut up. When we, we watch other shit for our own enjoyment and for our own entertainment that we don't even know that we're going to be talking... We, we, guys, we don't even know we're going to be talking about this on the podcast. 
So this is just like from the seat of our juicy, juicy white asses. <laughs> That's that's wow. where this content is coming from. Straight from the asses of gods, yeah. <laughs> so that's what this segment is, where we talk about shit that we've watched. Mm. Now, Andrew, I would now like to invite you oh, to speak about now? anything that it is that you might have watched in the last few weeks that you think is worthwhile our listeners hearing about. Okay. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about the main film that we're talking about at this point in time. I'm talking about other stuff that I've watched on my <laughs> personal like, Yeah, I watched No Time to Die, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched the latest Bond film. Yeah. Shut up, idiot. Yeah. Idiot. Um, I watched... So now would be the time to... Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go. Go. Yeah, Ready? Now. Are we recording? Yeah. Okay, cool. Are we recording? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I So I got two things. One, I rewatched uh, Shin Godzilla... Nerd. That movie still rules. I sk- kind of skimmed through it. I will watch it a little bit in the background, but um, <laughs> but it fucking rocks. Um, still, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got to get around to watching it. It's really, I really. I think cool. the only reason I haven't watched it is because it's on fucking SBS on demand, and I couldn't be fucked. Yeah, just yeah. I'm probably. I'll buy it on. Um, I'll buy it on Blu-ray. I've decided. Watching it again. The if the way that it handles, just this, like would this be a good segment? Just like. Movie, movies that I want to buy on Blu-ray. Movies I'd buy on Blu-ray. Not movies I, I have bought, but just movies that I'd like to I buy. I'm entertaining the thought of buying this movie on Blu-ray. I reckon we should uh, stamp every movie we talk about with, would you buy it? You know what I mean? Like, would you buy it on Blu-ray? Yeah, okay. That's pretty good. All right. Um, stay tuned for whether or not I would buy No Time to Die on Blu-ray. <laughs> so, I yeah, Shin Godzilla is just a... Fucking excellent monster movie. It's kind of the opposite of... Um, I think the monster movies are on a spectrum between like... Uh-oh. Nah, I don't know. Um, I was going to say Some between... Some monster movies always remember the weather. I was going to say between Godzilla versus yeah, Kong funny. and... Um, <laughs> yeah, so are you going. <laughs> They're real good at math. Between Godzilla versus Kong and Shin Godzilla. But it's not... That's not really... I think those both do a great job of like really showing you the fucking stuff. There's some movies where it's not very satisfying how much you get to look at the monster. And you see, he, but you said Shin Godzilla is one where you get all this like f- all the diplomacy and all the human yeah, bullshit. Yeah, it's a bureaucratic comedy. Yeah, yeah, and and a drama story. But in between and with good pacing, there's uh, lots of fucking moments you just spend staring at this god ugly fucking thing. Yeah. And I forgot that the ending, which I won't spoil because people might go and watch it, um, is just a beautiful shot. Um, that has like all these other implications. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, the art design in that movie fucking rules. Watch it for the the monster. That's design. sick. No, it's I've really watch fucking it. cool. I would highly recommend it. And yes, I would absolutely be buying that on Blu-ray. Actually, I buy that <laughs> on 4K. Uh, the second one I watched, um, I watched The Assistant, which is a 2019 film directed by an Australian woman, which I didn't know, Kitty Green. Listen, his schedule has shifted. Does 7 p.m. work? Still at the hotel or? Yes. What? This is turkey. I said chicken. <laughs> There's a girl waiting. Oh, her. She's been here before. A few times. What is it? The wife. Say he's in an important meeting. No, say he's in the screening. Where is he? What did you say? What did you say? They told me you were smart. I overreacted. It was not my place to question your decision. I will not let you down again. You know, you can always come to us, right? Come to us first, okay? The last two checks don't have a name or anything. Just the dollar amount. Uh, ignore it. Okay, and will he know what it's for? Yep, he'll know. I wouldn't sit there. Never sit on the couch. <laughs> here and here, initial here, sign there. Do I need a lawyer or something? 
Do you have a lawyer? What's happening? Where are you going? Um, I was worried for this girl. <laughs> I mean, they were just like laughing about it. Can you deal with this? Hi. Why me? Who was that? Oh, that. Wasting my time. Your mom and I were excited for you. It's a great opportunity. This isn't um, that one with uh, Robert De Niro and... No, you're thinking of The Irishman, brother. <laughs> fuck, fuck. Which, which you should watch. <laughs> fuck no, you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> What's that one where Robert no, De Niro no is Anne Hathaway's secretary? I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you talking about secretary? Because <laughs> that doesn't have Robert De Niro. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, shut up. This is uh, the Harvey Weinstein assistant film. So it's like, it, it sort of takes place. It's a very slow burn. Um, Finally, we get to hear it from Harvey's point of view. Fuck yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Shut up. Oh, so, no, I ha- no, I have heard about this. Yeah. This, this does sound cool. Excellent. Shut up. So <laughs> it basically follows around uh, Julia Garner, who most people would probably know from the Ozarks, I think, is one of the biggest things she's been in. Isn't Julia um, Garner like really, really famous? No, you're thinking of... Um, Robert De Niro again. Sorry. Fuck. Yeah, you're thinking of The Irishman. <laughs> Um, no, I know who you're thinking of, but no, no, uh, that's not who you're thinking of. Fuck, this is a mess, dude. You really fucking derailed me with that. <laughs> Sorry, the assistant isn't Julie Garner. Um, Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Yes, that's who you were thinking of. That's not who's in this film. In <laughs> this film is Julia, Julia Garner. Oh, the chick from Ozark. Yes. Right. From yes. Um, I think I said. Did that annoy you? I felt like that sincerely annoyed you a bit there. No, it just really threw me. No, it's fine. (laughs) No, and I've just realized I was referring to the show as the Ozarks. I think it's actually just Ozarks. Fucking millennial idiot. Um, Yeah, so she's uh, most famously from Ozark, um, which she's fantastic in, and is like, I I think it's she has like range amazingly because in uh, Ozark she's like this, um, like vicious but ill-educated sort of like. I'm using air quotes like hillbilly character where she's she's like a little schemer and um, <laughs> very uh, can be very aggressive or manipulative. Whereas in this, she is completely different. So it's the story of a young woman who gets a job at a production company. You sort of I kind of have given a little bit of away by referencing it as like a film about Harvey Weinstein. Right. It's not explicitly about that, but it's so clearly is drawing heavy influence in from the same way as like succession is about the, the murder the family. Exactly. Family, right? So basically it's a, it's a day in the life. Look at um, this young woman who's been working in this production company as an assistant, a personal assistant to uh, the, I guess the Marvy Mindstein. Pr- pr- right. To right. the lead producer of the company. And so it starts off with her doing these, like it's a very slow paced film, very intentionally starts off with her doing these like mundane office tasks and just answering phone calls and shit. But you start to notice that certain things are a little bit weird or off. Yeah, like yeah, um, yeah. Uh, at one point she's like, she this she's opening parcels and so she opens one box it's like this big bunch of scripts and she's distributing them around and then the next box that she opens is this um 
erectile dysfunction medication, but right. there's like that's weird. But there's like twenty vials, and she just like stocks this cabinet full of this erectile dysfunction medication, or like, um, uh, this young woman turns up and um, she it, she's like, oh, I got a job as a PA here, and the more that we learn about her, the more we learn like she's very attractive, but she's just a like just a waitress. And so she doesn't have any experience. And so this person's like, the uh, Julia Garner's character's like, sorry, how did you get this job again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she takes her to like a hotel and drops her off and doesn't see her for the rest of the day. And then someone comes up and picks up an earring that got left in the office, but she's never seen the person before. Right. And she's So just stuff starts happening. And um, I see what you mean about giving stuff away a bit, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people, when this film came out, very much that was the talk around it, yeah. Yeah, right, so it sort of unravels a bit. I won't won't talk about anything else that happens in the storyline, and there's one particular conversation between her and I think is Matthew McFadden that's also in Succession. That guy Um, plays Tom. Yes, he is also in this. He's amazing in Succession season three as well, He's one of my favourite actors. He's so good. There is a scene in Does he play the producer in this movie? No. Oh. So there's a scene in this where... No, for multiple reasons. There's a scene in this where um, he has an extended dialogue. <laughs> he didn't dialogue. get a big enough cut. He didn't like the script. <laughs> he was um, unavailable at the time. No, I don't want to... No, there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a funny reason I'll tell you off right. air because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but, okay. um, well, there's a reason it's funny. It's not funny in the film. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a uh, just a conversation that probably goes for about 10 real like minutes on screen oh, wow. between him and... Uh, Julia Garner he plays the head of the human resources department right um, and that conversation is like it's like theatre it's like a fucking masterpiece oh, fuck. because it's one of those things where both characters or you walk in the room with the protagonist and you think things are a certain way and by the end of it it's just not what you fucking thought oh man so it's the, a really good scene do you think that was your favourite thing about the movie then was like the way it was written I think it's the it's the yeah right yes I think I think it it is a a masterful film for like showing and not telling because you get nearly you get almost no information. About yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. On. You have to really fucking pay attention, but if you do, what is buried in under the surface of the story, and it's not like it's hidden from you. You don't need to watch it multiple times, but the stuff yeah. you start to pick up on and pay attention to, and that you see her starting to switch on to, is so fucking interesting. Because yeah. her character obviously knows some things about this are weird, but I think this is the first day where she's like, this is something that I can't, like, it's not something that I can continue to go, to leave, un- a, st- a stone I can continue to leave unturned. Yeah, I have yeah, to figure yeah. out what's going on Oh, this on sounds here. cool. So how did, how did you watch sick. it? Uh, not... Not telling. Through any <laughs> official channels. Uh, no, you can buy it on. Um, you can rent it on Google Play. So that's oh, how cool. I would. So how much did you spend it. on Google Play when you watched this movie? I would have spent six dollars on it. Is how much I would, would have. Spent that's weird. Watching it on Google Play. <laughs> what did you watch this week, Oscar? Because I'm not fucking incriminating myself on this. Uh, no, so I, I, I will actually. The assistant gets a. I will buy this on Blu-ray because I want to watch it again. Not 4K. Yeah, I'll buy it on 4K. I don't think it'll be out on 4K. It's not a didn't. <laughs> Probably wasn't very profitable movie. <laughs> Turn the ranking system into a, like a logistical discussion gonna, about. <laughs> all it's gonna do is like show you people's fucking makeup creases in fucking greater detail. It's not a four K movie, you yeah. know what I mean? Question but it is, is masterfully shot, paced, and edited. If you're buying it on Laserdisc, is that better or worse? Yeah, true. Um, well, it's not on it, so shut up. Great. I uh, think so it watch if you love good performances, really detailed performances, uh, watch this movie it. as well. It's one of those movies where it's you spend. I, I mean, I think Julia Garner is on screen for maybe like ninety. 
90% of this film. She is carrying this film on the fucking on her back and she does an amazing job. Incredible yeah, right. performance. Anyway, sorry. Uh, no, you're right. Also, what I watched this... Uh, in the last few weeks, I've been watching this show that I think I've told you about a bit, and it's so fucking good. I'm trying to tell everyone to watch it. It's the best fun ever. Great British it's called- Bake Off. <laughs> also, yes, but <laughs> it's called uh, For All Mankind. I believe that this nation should commit itself to landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. After thousands of years gazing up in the heavens and dreaming of this day, a man is about to set foot on the moon. Across the world, people wait with bated breath. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a live signal. There he is. The shock across the nation at this event is just indescribable. The Soviet cosmonaut has become the first to set foot on the moon. I thought it was about being first. Turns out the stakes are much bigger than that. Get back to work. We're still in this thing. Change of plans, gentlemen. There is water on the moon. This race will be ours to fight for and to win. And we are not stopping there. Moon lap. We need to accelerate the base. You're gonna be an astronaut candidate. No, I'm gonna be an astronaut. We're going to Mars, Saturn, the stars, the galaxy. Drifting right, watch it. Eagle, this is Houston, do you copy? This is not the end of the race. We must keep our eyes to the future. Three, two. It's oh, right. a, it's like an Apple Plus original, uh, yeah. uh, original TV series, but it's created by the guy that has worked, the guy that worked on. It's created by a guy that's worked on Star Trek and the new Battlestar Galactica series, which are apparently quite good. And this this series is like an alternate history kind of alternate timeline series that starts with season one in... <laughs> Most of them uh, <laughs> As you do. Uh, season one starts in like the late 60s with the moon landing. But this is in a parallel universe where the Russians were the first to land on the moon. Okay. And I, I read an article or listened to a podcast or something where they were talking about the idea that they thought it was interesting that the space race was won by the Americans mm. because they were the first on the moon, even though the Russians got like the first craft first in space, space, first, an- first dog in space, first, first animal, yeah, first like living thing in space, first person, first spacewalk. Like the Russians were first to everything in space, but then the Americans were first on the moon. And so they were like, right, we win. That's it. And it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's fucking classic America. Yeah. Dude. And then they stopped committing as much money and as much like, of, of their big like uh, national pride propaganda type thing and all the resources towards the space race because yeah. like oh we're first on the moon yeah, so this Ruskies, so this yeah, story so the story in this show is like what happens if that victory moment never happened mm. and so the space race keeps going and the Americans and the Russians keep spending more and more and more money on the space program so after the Russians are the first on the moon the president uh, President Nixon in this in this series sets the target of like establishing like a space station on the moon 
Right. And so it, it ramps up like that. And there's heaps of the show is kind of set and looks like it's been filmed in space, like in orbit, non-spacecraft. It looks like as good as like First Man Dude, did, for example. they've gotten really good at that recently. It looks so that good, shit, man. I just feel like now you can make a film where it just really feels like you are yeah. fucking in space. So, th- so this show, For All Mankind, it, it, again, it looks like it was filmed in space. Like there's so much... So many amazing shots. Like there's whole there's whole sections of the movie, the, the whole sections of the TV show that are set on the moon, um, and the story is so good. So it starts as like a 60s period piece, and it kind of just feels like a political kind of drama about NASA and about American politics, yeah. but for this history that you don't know. That so it's is, really cool. And so like cool. Nixon is a character in it, uh, and these like real life figures from a from like NASA mission control from the 60s are in it but then as the timeline starts to diverge it starts to it starts to pick up with the sci-fi elements a bit more quickly so there's some time jumps where it skips forward and you see like right well with all the resources they spent on the space race here's the extra technology they've developed and here are these other implications for like global history uh and like technology that's available to people because we kept putting money into the space race it's mm. so much fun man and like all the 60s music and fashion and and like oh, cars true, and right. shit that's perfectly your shit that I, I really i really dig uh and all the characters are really great yeah um, i haven't seen anything that this guy did i mean like it sounds like he ha- he was quite influential on a lot of the early star trek stuff like the 80s 90s star trek yeah that like reboot one like you said he did battlestar galactica but i haven't heard of caprica i haven't heard of helix but i have heard of outlander and people said that was very yeah. good well so i hadn't heard of this but uh, mary who was on our uh fight club episode uh, got me onto this right and i whizzed through the whole thing in like a week like wow. all the episodes were an hour long so they're really meaty uh I just can't recommend it enough. I had so much. I had so much fun with it, and I'm really, yeah, cool. I'm really bummed that it's. I, I think there's another season coming out, but I like. I'm bummed there's nothing more to watch because I was rinsing through it so quickly. Oh, it's got Joel Kinnaman in it. Yeah, I like. It's that got guy. a whole bunch of guys that have been heaps of people that. Bu- it's got a lot of people. Yeah, in yeah. There. heaps of people I'd never heard of. Uh, but no, I, I really, really like the cast sure. and the performances and Joel Kinnaman. If you've seen Altered Carbon, I think that really kicked his mm. career off. He was also in Netflix. Uh, I like my carbon Netflix. unaltered. House of Cards. Here's yeah, right. House of Cards. Cool. That's all I got, bro. Uh, For All of Mankind, definitely worth watching. I watched it on Apple TV Plus, which I think you can get free trials for and shit. But, mm. you know, watch it. It's great. Yeah, actually, it's hard not to have a free trial of fucking Apple TV. Like, I've got it through Telstra and a bunch of other Oh, yeah, I got six months of it because of the PlayStation. So, like, it's, it's yeah, free. Exactly. So good. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that one a, of the privileged upper class <laughs> who have a PS5. So. <laughs> do you want to listen to the, the audio for the No Time to Die trailer now, bro? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Can you put that? Can you pump that through? Let's, yeah, here we let's go. do it. Here we go. I'm about to listen. I'm turning on my ears. James, fate draws us back together. Now your enemy is my enemy. His name is Seven. And what does he want? Revenge. Me. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. You can imagine why I've come back to play. There's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. You're late. When you're ready. Salute. I met you on new double O. She's a disarming young woman. I get why you shot him. 
everyone tries at least once. James Bond. We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. I just want to be a little tidier. Nope. Harder to tell the good from bad, villains from heroes these days. What is it? You don't know what this is. He's going to kill millions. If we don't do this, there will be nothing left to save. Wow. Very cool stuff. What a trailer. Wow, great trailer. Damn. I literally have not seen it. <laughs> the movie? The trailer. Oh. I've probably seen the trailer. It's been yeah, marketed for have. a year and a half. So, yeah. no time to die. Here we are. Uh, we finally made it. The movie that almost never fucking came out. Mm. What the fuck is that? It has now come out. <laughs> and we what have... What is that? My noise. Yeah. Like, mm. Mm. And we have seen it. <laughs> I don't know. You made me self-conscious about it. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Yeah. Uh, yes, we have. Yes, Obama's we famous slogan. <laughs> I was going to make the same joke. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so this is the fifth and final uh, Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig James Bond movie. He's uh, out. You're going to have to kill me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> why was Connery Daniel Craig? Don't know. Don't know. We'll never Not know. Not sure. So, for a start, I, I, maybe we can talk about like what your relationship is with the, with the James Bond movies in general and then maybe more specifically the Daniel Craig movies. So, okay. When I was a kid, I really liked... James, I think I, I think I've seen every single James Bond movie just because there was like I don't know one summer where we had the DVD box set and I just rinsed. I it. remember you, yeah, your dad had the big fucking like twenty five Bond movies box. Yeah, set, exactly. You know? uh, and so I think I've seen like most of them, but I don't remember a lot of them. But so, yeah, so I've got like a bit of an affection for them. Uh, and then the, the Daniel Craig movies came out, and I thought like fuck, these are these are incredible. Like, I absolutely love Casino Royale. Uh, and then like there was that thing where sort of every second one is not as good. But the mm. Daniel Craig movies, maybe everyone knows this, but maybe I think it's think, I think it's fun to sort of talk out of my ass and do an intro. The Daniel Craig movies were the first James Bond movies to have a bit of a through line through all of them. Yeah, that's and right. These were like he's like the grittiest Bond and like the darkest Bond and the Bond that's also been like the most emotionally vulnerable. I think mm. he's my favorite Bond, and I so, don't think that's a very hot take because I think most people agree that he's been the the best in a while. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why is that it um I'll talk about like my experience of it in just a sec, but when you consider these films in the context of other spy film series that were coming out. Yeah. So you kind of have your um Bond has been consistently I uh, it well, obviously probably wasn't the first spy drama, but probably the most well known. Well the first one, James right? Bond movie came out like nineteen sixty one. Right, exactly. So, so they've been like gone TV- fucking yeah. ages. And then all of a sudden 
um, you had uh, a lot of so you you've got like a, I don't know Get Smart I don't know when Get Smart came out but yeah, those kind like, of like the, parodies I think there was an old TV series called like the incre- uh, it had the same title mm. uh, it was called the Avengers I think or maybe there was one that was called uh, yeah. like uh, what's that the Expendables I think there was yeah. there was some some sort of old fucking spy TV series that had the same name as a, a big Hollywood blockbuster movie mm. and then skipping ahead a little bit you've also got these other players in the field which is like. Funnily enough, like Austin Powers, right? Which is where they've taken the premise of... Like the old and the, James Bond movies. Yeah, and also the campness that accompanies it and just yeah. crank that right the fuck up. I think so it's- now it's like you've got... You've already got the parody and the yeah. campness. So if you make a James Bond film that's kind of camp, it's like, well, they're splitting the wicket between taking it very seriously yeah. and absolute parody right yeah I, so I they kind of have to do something different you got mission impossible as well yeah. which started off very serious and has escalated to where it takes itself seriously but clearly not too seriously like yeah we're gonna throw this fucker yeah. out of a plane you know yeah that kind of thing i heard a, someone I, th- I heard someone on a podcast i think the total rebuild podcast talk about oh, yeah. the idea that the, the austin powers movies kind of forced james bond's hand yeah that's probably where i got the idea more yeah. serious yeah just the idea that like the pierce brosnan movies were pretty goofy i don't really remember them but uh they're just stupid and that's where i started yeah. for the record i think the first one i saw was um uh Die another day. That's the one with like the invisible car and the ice castle. Yeah, I just yeah. watched a couple of um, a couple yeah. of those ones, and I was probably about ten. And they're they're goofy and wacky, but like I suppose they they all they're all those dance movies have been. So I think it's so funny that this dumb Mike Myers movie, like about like hey, how dumb is James Bond? <laughs> yeah, forced them they're to like, be making uh... <laughs> this really gritty, dark, intense. Yeah. Like Casino Royale is not goofy at all. It no, is very it's fucking serious. serious. Yeah. And I think it's most also the of time are, of the gritty reboot, right? So when did yeah. when did Casino Royale come out? Two thousand six or something? Or something yeah. Right. So that was the era when I think Hollywood started to say like, oh, people have a real appetite for um. Yeah, you had like the Dark Knight Dark, movies. Yeah, and all that exactly. Sort of stuff. So, yeah. So I mean, yeah. and so I'll I'll say I really liked not really like I liked No Time to Die a lot. Okay. I think it's definitely not my favorite. Hmm. Like I think Casino Royale and Skyfall are probably my favorite still of the of the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Yeah. I don't really remember Spectre and Quantum of Solace very much at all. Dude, so I've been lumping Spectre in with Skyfall, saying like, oh yeah, those are the two best in the series. But then I realized today, mm. as I was just thinking about it, I was like, oh, I'm just talking about Skyfall. I don't yeah. fucking remember Spectre Spectre, at me all. neither. And so, I think that there's Who enough- was a bad guy in Spectre? Christoph Waltz. Oh right, yeah. I just don't there remember. There was this big, like White Castle at the end, and like Christoph Waltz said something about wanting to be James Bond's brother, or it, it was really weird. It didn't really make any sense, and it was there was this thing at the end where, where I know. So Javier Bardem like literally was his brother or some shit, right? Or they went through the same program, right? Yeah. I just memory hold it. So right. I actually think Skyfall is a great movie. Skyfall is a great movie, and I think that's another that's another interesting thing about the James Bond, the Daniel Craig ones, is that in addition to Daniel Craig being great as Bond, they're really good movies. Like they're great action movies. Mm. In yeah. a way that the old ones... Or at the very least, three of them are. Yeah. yeah. And so... Yeah, they're just... They're great action movies. And so, it's, it's, I, I kind of like what they've done with it that's a bit new. And so, I was really looking forward to this one. Mm. Even though I was worried that it was a bit shit. Because it's been so long since a good one. That's the other thing, right? Like, Spectre was six years ago. Yeah. So, when did Skyfall that, Skyfall would have been... Yeah, exactly. It's like 2011. Like, some, so, it's been so long since a good James Bond movie that I was... I almost... 2012, like, yeah. Right. So, I almost didn't give a fuck. Like yeah, and I feel like that's the mentality that most people had was like, oh, I don't care. It's been like eight. It's almost a decade since a good James Bond movie. Yeah, Daniel so, who? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like going into <laughs> James this, who? <laughs> I thought this movie was really fun. I don't know about you, but I think there was lots of really great action pieces. I thought that there's lots of really like shots that left a really a, a, like a real impression on me and like really interesting locations mm. that I thought were a lot of fun. Okay. Um I didn't I didn't love it and there's some stuff where I thought the plot was a bit goofy. Or it didn't yeah. really make much sense. I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. But that's something this movie did that the other ones didn't. Is this movie was a bit sillier than the other J- Daniel Craig movies. But I think it really it worked. It had a few moments. Yeah. Yeah. I think it... Um, I think they were tasked with... And I guess... So, so this was written by um, Kerry Fukunaga, but also has writing credits from Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame and two other people, Robert Wade and Neil Purvis. And I'm not sure if those two are like... Um, you know, you never quite know how much these writers yeah. have an impact in it, apparently, but they could be like original Bond idea people or whatever. Apparently, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was hired to give like a dialogue pass on the script to right. put more jokes in. Right. And I actually think, I mean, I don't know about the humor in the film. I don't think there were any moments where I thought it was genuinely funny, but I thought the dialogue was pretty good. I don't remember any particular lines where I, I was like cringing or anything. I so. like all of the, I, I thought the, I like I like how funny this was. There's a couple moments that uh, spring to mind, like this one where... Um, uh, like a bad guy's head explodes, and Daniel Daniel Craig goes like, "Oh, that really blew his mind." Uh, yeah, I Which don't. I like I like those silly James those Bond fucking, jokes. Uh, yeah, pop off lines. Yeah. I don't know. but things I'm thinking of like the scene in with is it Q in his apartment where he's like, yeah, "I can't yeah, just yeah. basically like you you people will never let me have a nice dinner or anything like that." It's yeah. like pretty funny stuff. I th- yeah, I thought it was fun. I, th- I thought it was a yeah. nice balance between like the stupid Pierce Brosnan movies and the really dark, gritty mm. uh, Casino Royale stuff. So, I'll start with what I liked about it. I liked the... So, these films feel very... Um, especially the stunt work in them, I think is incredible. So like, good. They like, feel... That I would say that they're Mission Impossible and these guys are on yeah. the same level, except... The, these films tend to try and do slightly less ridiculous stunts, but they make it seem like it really fucking is happening. And I don't know if they're yeah. just doing the, the same shit as Nolan, where it's just stuff. a real shit, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, if we're driving, you know, if we're on a fucking train that's traveling 100 kilometers now, like, we'll just be on the train that's traveling 100 kilometers an hour. Or yeah. So, um, I think the work that the stunt teams have done and the, the, the stunt choreography and the cinematography of the stunts and all that type of shit, basically the action in these films is very good so good the car chases in this movie yeah and there's a couple of really good ones awesome and there's a scene in the forest yeah um, that's that's great craig is out of a vehicle but there are people who are coming to craig craig this is a different guy named craig (laughs) (laughs) james James bond's like sidekick named craig um Where uh, Bond is, is um, running around on foot and uh, it's in a dense forest with lots of fog and there are vehicles, bad guys are driving trying to come and get yeah. him. So, I think um, those moments are really good. Um, and the dialogue in general was, like the writing of the dialogue was okay. Yeah. But what I didn't really love about it and for me where it kind of, so it was like a sort of three and a half star, like yeah, good, yeah. but... N- not as good uh, for me it sits below like well below skyfall i just don't think it had the same emotional impact yeah. um and a, a a few of the through lines in the film that were meant to be very impactful on me as a viewer i could tell like um uh daniel craig's newfound connection to certain characters without any spoilers yeah um he's got a new reason to live uh, basically and um 
And that didn't do anything for me, I think. That was their first draft title. <laughs> New reason to live. Um, I just don't think... Yeah, that didn't really impact. And I'm not sure what it would have taken if it's just that yeah, this, I, I like that. this character as having been someone who's given up yeah. and they would have needed to do a fucking lot of work yeah. to make me care about him well, kind of having something to really give a fuck about. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's any Bond girl in this and they're doing like a Vesper Lind type thing again where Bond is like uh, in love with this new Bond girl. Leah Seydoux plays... Right. Yeah. And so she was apparently in the last one. I don't really remember that. And so... Already, you're supposed to have this connection from the last one to this one where... Yeah, this probably like, oh, would have been a are- slightly better experience if I'd rewatched a Spectre beforehand. Because there was actually quite a lot in it that... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but- so, so, in general, though, I think the plot was... Com- the plot doesn't really make a tremendous amount of sense. And they never really stop and explain why Remy Malik's Bond villain character is doing what he's doing. Yeah, there was two two areas where this film really let me down, and it was yeah. exactly what you've just listed. The story, I think, was um, barely present, frankly. Yeah. Like, really, uh, half the time... So, these movies are good at giving you an immediate objective for Bond in the scene, usually Bond, other characters yeah. as well, but um, it's like he has to open a set of doors, yeah. and it's like, you don't need to know why, but you do need to know that he's trying to open those fucking doors. Yeah. Okay. And but I kind of care about why he needs to open the doors. And yeah. this movie is very good at that first type of objective and fucking terrible at explaining well, why he's doing anything he's doing. Yeah. And I, it's also really bad at explaining why Rami Malik is doing anything that he's that's doing. That's the bit that I f- struggle a bit because usually you get like a bit of a here's the villain's evil plan type thing or here's the... But, like, this guy doesn't really have a very clear... Motive. Motive against Bond that much. Yeah. And so... so, And he doesn't really have a very clear uh, objective that is very clearly explained in this movie. And I feel like the more I thought about it later, the more I could sort of rationalise it to myself. But while you're in the movie with all the action, you need someone to just slap you across the face with it. So, like, the the idea is that there's this... And this is... Isn't really as bold. The the idea is that uh, MI six secretly develops this like nanobot genetically coded COVID nineteen. Yep. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's these little nanobot genetically coded like disease type things that you can infect someone with. What happened to get... nanites? Nanites used to be That's in like what every this is. fucking. This is like this uh, yeah. nanobots thing. But what happened? They used to be like the the scare tactic in yeah, every fucking movie in the early to mid two yeah. thousands, and I feel like they just fell off the planet. I guess yeah. you can't do anything with them. <laughs> so they call them nanobots, but this is like mm. a disease, like a genetically coded disease that you can yeah. infect anyone with, and you can you can genetically code the disease to only be deadly to specific people. Yeah, and it can be one person or it can be people with certain gene traits or whatever. So, you can do eugenics if you want. Right. And so, I think in, they say that MI6 originally, they explained that like, oh, MI6 like did this as like a perfect safe uh, assassin weapon. Yeah. Because like you can pass it from person to person to person to person through like skin contact, but it only ever kill the person it's designed to kill. And so, Rami Malek's character And has, you pre-program like, them. It's not like yeah. a kill switch. It's yeah. like you, they're, it's, they either will kill you when they contact you or they won't. Yeah. And Rami Malek's character has, like, acquired this and is using it for his own purposes. And so, I suppose... Uh, I listened to a podcast and a bunch of reviews later. They're like, right, so obviously what he's doing is he's, like, getting genetic information from, like, everyone around the world that he can and then he'll be, like, a hitman for hire type guy. But it doesn't really explain that very well. Oh, really? It's also, oh, that's completely different to what I thought he was I, doing. I, well, maybe there's a suspect... Yeah, so, so, I think that this, po- this podcast was sort of saying, yeah, he, he's, he's got this database of, like... 
he's like making as much of this as, as much of this like this disease nanobot genetic poison thing as he can and he's going to have like a database of genetic material and be like who do you want me to kill give me a million dollars I'll 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 pump you out pump out one of these things for Fuck, you right. and so it doesn't really explain that, but that makes a bit more sense and so yeah this- I I thought he was planning on so I thought he killed off Spectre but I thought he was planning on doing this massive um uh roll out of this shit where it would kill anyone in power positions and allow him to stand up his own, so he was going to like create his own new that's new kinda, world order. Yeah, so I was a bit confused at the you time. I mean? And so, and so this is all. I suppose that the reason we're going through this is it, it still detracts from it a bit while you're watching it. And I feel like I I, I was I, I was co- confused enough that it was a bit annoying. And so I see you mean. Yeah, it was that stuff about like I, I sort of understand vaguely why Bond is doing what he's doing, but there's enough of this niggling. Like, wait, what the fuck is going so on? So I think, and you figure the- it out by the end. And by the end, you figure it out. And it makes sense. But during the movie, you're sort of not sure what the fuck's going on. I knew on. he was creating the nanobots and shit. I was fine up to that point, but I had no idea why. Yeah. A- and 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 I and the thing that that makes me not care about is whether or not... So, like, a um, great example is uh, in Skyfall, you've got um, uh, No Country for Old Men, Old Men. Um, fucking Heavy Bardem's character, who I feel like has such a powerful villain story that and I think this is a real key to a good villain yeah you're almost like fuck I kind of get where this guy's coming from right you know so Bond's trying to stop him Mm. and you're like well yeah he's trying to do bad shit but you have to understand that like Bond is also acting on behalf of the state who are the bad guy here yeah right so it's like you need to stop the villain but the villain has an empathetic point and that makes you care about the downfall of the villain. Yeah, right, exactly. And the success of the main character. Well, Skyfall because it doesn't did matter if the main character succeeds if you didn't give a fuck about what they were trying to stop. Yeah, well, Skyfall did it so well as well because you're right about having like conflicting feelings where the guy's obviously a monster, but you have enough of it. You have like, a, oh, this guy's fucking got a point. Or like yeah. any, any of those villains that do that thing about like where, where it's like a common trope where they, they're going to cause mass destruction, but for the good of humanity or whatever. Yeah, which is Those like sorts of Thanos, things, is, right? Yeah. But um, I feel like even so, but even even then, Casino Royale, it's not that at all. But you have such tense chemistry between yeah. Bleeding Eye Man. Fuck, I'm really bad at names today. Let's see for that guy. Uh, why do you remember his character name, but not the I don't the remember fucking his actual name. Mads, isn't it Mads Mikkelsen? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. Um between Mads Mikkelsen and Daniel Craig's character, the tension between the two of them, yeah. that, I still remember that ball whipping scene, right? Like yeah. there's such good moments where you care so much and it makes you um, really want the success of the main character. And also there's a very clear objective. Like I don't really right. remember why he has to win that money, but it's very clear like this is the target. You're going to do this. You have to win this poker game. This is this. And so all the character yeah. roles are very clearly established. Something that... So I was anyway, to the sorry, mic. the reason we're talking about yeah, this, yeah. just so I can interject, is we've said it, but it, this movie doesn't do it very well. No. And Rami Malek's performance isn't very charismatic, in my opinion. Yeah. And so this movie's, I think, main downfall is just that it doesn't have a villain that you fucking care about. Yeah. I had a... Mark Kermode on his podcast had a really interesting reading of that that changed mm. the way I viewed the thing. And I don't think I'm going to be able to do it justice, but his, his essential idea was like... Um, his reading was that Rami Malek's character thinks he's a Bond villain. Like Bond villains are famous in this world. Mm. Like people like people in this world would have heard of Javier Bardem's character. And so like Bond villains are famous and this guy thinks he's the next Bond nemesis. And it's kind of funny in the movie that he sucks and he's kind of bland and Bond doesn't care. 
I like, there's so many segments where Bond is just like deliberately like ignoring this cunt or just like going out of his way to not really engage at all and like Bond has his like personal motivations for doing this mission and like that's it mm. and there's there's several situations where uh yeah this guy is just like think he's like he's bad at playing this like character of this like super villain when he's actually kind of pathetic and kind of a wet blanket. But I don't think the film really lent into that at all. No, not I, really. I'm not sure if I buy that reading of the film. I feel like you could make a film where that was the case, but to yeah. me, this didn't feel like it was doing that. So fair yeah. enough. And if that's what they were going for, like, okay, it's a good idea. Yeah. But um, it just doesn't give you the sense because he's no. not, he doesn't come across as pathetic very performative he's yeah. got the fucking costume and he's got the he sets up this like his um his uh lair reminded me his of, lair is so cool right it's this like old abandoned like soviet looking missile silo missile thing. bunker type thing yeah it looks sick that that was one yeah. of the, the, the art design and the set design is yeah, fucking great and so gorgeous. if you if you then read into the fact that like his character is imparting that or like is is fixated on the aesthetic of being a villain or whatever. Yeah. I get that. But it's all just in the wallpaper. It's not actually something that his character does or talks about or cares yeah, about. Yeah, it's not like... Yeah, also, exactly. the fucking... I'm, I, I know I harp on about this shit, but Rami Malek is an American fucking actor. And he could get away with doing a British accent in... Um, Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. This is weird accent, accent that he does. Yeah, he's just they've just made him this fucking Eastern European dickhead because yeah. the bad guy always has to be a cold warrior or a villain, right? Yeah. They have to be fucking Russian or Estonian or fun some fucking Baltic state. Yeah. And he just doesn't need to be and it honestly significantly ruined the the whole character for me yeah. where I was just thinking like this person could just be American and actually it's making more of a statement if they are because then you can kind of weave in some of this anti-empire shit into your film and if that's not what they wanted to go for fine but I'm kind of sick of Russian bad guys you know what I mean Russian or any Russian adjacent kind of country it feels like such an unnecessary choice and it's like people are going to think I'm being like fucking PC woke for this it's literally racist these these roles yeah. are racist. We're just I don't not very really attuned. Know if he's playing a Russian in this. He's playing some weirdly vaguely ethnic kind he's, of. He's yeah. I, he's not playing Russian. I don't think because they said he was born in fucking Poland or Estonia or something. I think it might uh, be Estonian. Anyway, he's some some person from that area of the world. Yeah. And there's unless he's he is an Egyptian person, so I don't know if he's playing an. I don't think I'm he's confused. Egyptian. I remember seeing somewhere in the last eighteen months a headline about how maybe he was supposed to be Middle Eastern and Rami Malek did not want to play this like terrorist character as a Middle Eastern person. Well, yeah, so maybe literally. there was something like that but where like, they wanted to I don't know. Yeah. I, I just I get why it annoys it's, you. it's my it's my same shit that I'm always harping on about. I think the best person that's ever done accent work in the fucking world is Ananda Yunucci in The Death of Stalin, <laughs> where literally no one has an accent that's yeah. other than their own. Yeah. I think it's the best way to do it. And I think I think within people the context, need to start fucking trusting the audience to just yeah. make it up in their heads. I think within the context of these spy movies, James Bond for me gets a bit of a pass because it has a bit of a, a hammy, cheesy kind of tone to it. I think and it this ruins movie specifically it for me. was a bit a bit hammy. No, I just... You don't need to be... And I, I, I'm I'm going to say it again. You don't need to be, like, racist about it because there's just no reason for... I mean, 
the the frustrating part is it feels like a backstep for the series because I think the earlier couple in the series have done pretty significant work in establishing right. the fault of the British state yeah. in a lot of these matters. And in this film, like um, who is who's uh, Ray Fiennes is. Um, you find out like, oh yeah, they were the ones that developed this that fucking awesome. nanoparticle. That, yeah, great. Lean into that even more yeah. and make your villain like. Why don't you make your villain the lead British scientist in developing mm. that shit who just went rogue? I see what you mean about how like it's like it's just why, fucking if the tired. question is like, why don't you give Rami Malek his own accent? And they go, oh, because this accent sounds more evil. Then it's like, well, then I think that's fuck you. literally yeah. the reason they do it. Yeah. And if I heard another reason for it, fine. But and I know that these are meant to be like globe trotting fucking movies, but yeah. it's just always the Russians, and it is Cold War shit. Like it's just that's you know th- there's even mm. that's the reason why um, Kenneth Branagh had a Russian accent in. Uh, that sucked sucked. because he wanted to do a Cold War era villain well fine if you really must do that cast a Russian person I'm sorry I'm sick of seeing fucking fake Russians it's annoying it's fucking annoying I'll tell you what and it was enough that I did not enjoy Rami Malek in this movie at all he was kind of a nothing character for me I I think I I enjoyed him I didn't hate him yeah, I, I didn't hate him, but it, yeah. was, it was the plot. But despite, I mean, we've complaining about the plot for like fifteen minutes. But I think it's the main downfall of the yeah, film. Yeah, because the film otherwise is a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah, I watched it. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, and I think I performances think a, by Daniel Craig, by Leah yeah. Seydoux, by Anna de Armas, who we haven't talked she, about. She was fabulous in this awesome movie. That was going to be my section, next thing. Yeah. Is this film feels quite long. Yeah, but I don't really know what I'd cut. And initially, you'd think this this Cuba section where they go to Cuba for like no reason, and there's like a ten minute action sequence mm. with uh, Anna de Armas. Uh, and so I thought it was it was establishing as like the next Bond girl, and then yeah, she's me too. Just she's not. in it for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but that yep. sequence is so much fun, and mm. it's such a cool, cool sequence. The Cuba sequence. Yeah. That, that's the bit that you would cut if you could cut anything. Yeah, you I guess. would like no, like I mean, like story wise, story wise. Oh yeah, totally. You cut that yeah, 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 bit, yeah, yeah, but it was the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah, the Cuba thing. I think so, and it is where the scene. I, I feel like because this is obviously like a send off for Craig. Yeah. Um. It's the scene that really, where the movie, it feels more like the old Bond films, I think. Yeah, Where the movie yeah. is leaning into, it's like, yeah, it's a bit stupid. Yeah. Um, they actually do something like crazy where they kill off the vast majority of like the most bad guys in the world in that scene because yeah. all of Spectre end up dead. This is all in the first half as well. You're all good. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but it really does have a lot of fun. And uh, like Ana de Armas on screen for multiple reasons, mm. is just like such a charming presence. Got, she actually does... Go off. Talk about what you like about Anna de Armas. They've worked together... Well, I forgot this. To they've worked together on Knives Out. Yeah, so, so they've they actually, have a bit of chemistry. Maybe they there. do yeah. have a little bit of chemistry, but they were in such completely different roles and de Armas just gives this electric performance where she's so nervous and so anxious charming but cute as well. and full like, of charisma because she plays this like I'm, this is my first job and I've been in training for two weeks and then she turns out to be like amazing it's odd yeah 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 <laughs> um, yeah and you know I wasn't sure if she was just being modest or mm. if she was and like I think what one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that this film has for better or worse, set you up to immediately distrust all female supporting characters, right? Because yeah. and and uh, Bond does by yeah. this point. In fact, it's the main um, it's like his complication char- yeah. about Leah Seydoux is that he that something happens really early in the film and he is left with this choice of whether or not to trust her or not, and he sort of picks a middle ground where he's like, I can't, I cannot accept the fact that you didn't do this. But I want yeah. so badly to believe that you had nothing to do with it yeah. that I'm not gonna 
burn you or whatever I would like, normally you, do. I'm just going to walk away. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking because he, you know, it's similar to um uh not Eva Green. Um yeah. Eva uh, Green? Yeah, the the the, Eve, the it's similar happens to the Vesper. V- Vesper Lynn, right? Yeah. yeah, it was Eva Green. Um, similar to that, where he really lets himself be open and vulnerable again. Yeah. And so, they're sort of doing the same thing twice, but it works pretty it well. But then, so, Anna de Armas is, comes yeah. in and you're like, this is too much. This yeah. is too charming. But you feel so... Just nothing bad happens. It's lovely. It's like, really There's nice. even a bit yeah. where uh, I think it gets a bit flirtatious and then Bond's like, hey, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's I like, think- hey, let's be clear. My balls haven't worked since Casino Royale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a lot of fun, and um, I I really like that James Bond is emotionally vulnerable in this. Like, I think it's mm. such a nice. It's tragic, but the fact that this you the fact that you get this insight into this character that and you you learn about like his his trust issues, mm. and you learn about uh, how he feels very uh, how how he like isn't allowing himself to be emotionally vulnerable. And you sort of see reasons behind that rather than just him being this like dude with fast cars and whiskey. Like mm. I kind of like that it gives you a bit of backstory there and it like gives you a bit of a window into this like this very dumb like masculine attitude of like don't talk about your feelings. And it's like, no, this guy's been burnt and we're going to show you why and we're going to show you him like trying to change and trying to better himself and being burnt for it mm. in a way that sucks and in a way that shouldn't happen. But it's like, no, he's got this reason. Like... I don't know. I, re- I really like uh, the direction that the Daniel Craig movies have taken. I think. I think. It, I- yeah, I was just thinking about like the the casting of Daniel Craig, like who, what he brings to the screen. I I don't know where I've heard this before, but I feel like I remember hearing that he was cast because of like the. Exp- and I mean, this is why a lot yeah. of actors cast, but the expressiveness of his eyes. He doesn't look like a James Bond. Yeah, and um, that's why people didn't like him at first. when it was announced. They were yeah. like, "You kind of a blonde James Bond." Yeah, exactly. It's James Which, Bond, not James Blonde. I, I think uh, it's a lesson to never listen to any fans ever. Yeah. Um, just do what you're gonna do, but uh, but yeah, he he does a really good job. I think of um, you see. So th- these movies do a surprising amount of letting him act yeah. without having to make him say a single fucking thing. Yeah. It's literally just looking at the expression on his face. And I think it's ridiculous to say, but um, Daniel Craig is doing a great performance in he's these great. films. He's so good. He's doing a really good performance. Yeah. And he has to do a lot. Like, he's he's, he's fucking so, broken bones he's, he's doing so, a physical stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. And he's, but, like, weary yeah. in this film and, like, emotionally checked out. Yeah, but uh, sometimes funny, sometimes hopeful. Like yeah. he he he's doing a very nuanced performance, and I feel like if they cast a weaker lead in these roles, you just wouldn't have the same emotional depth. That's kind of what I mean. Like if these movies, if they went back to like, I love the emotional, the like the emotion that's been brought into James Bond mm. movies that I never thought would be there before. Like if these went back to the next, the next James Bond guy being like basically just like a reskinned Mission Impossible. I'd be a bit disappointed. Like, I kind of like that yeah. these have a bit of a dark, tragic kind of t- twist to them. Yeah, I really want them to lean into the, um, like, the British stage just putting these fucking people in the meat grinder. I mean, I think that that's yeah. one of the reasons why uh, Skyfall was the best one for me so far. And yeah. I, uh, mostly this film just made me want to go and rewatch <laughs> Skyfall, to be honest. <laughs> um, I, I will say, uh, I heard someone... Uh, I think I read maybe it was Alexi mm. Toliopoulos on Letterboxd saying that 
Deakins was the one who introduced the way that these films look when he worked on Skyfall, and they've just stuck with that since. Yeah, and I really sick. appreciate that. I mean, I was reminded of him during the fog scene in the forest. I yeah. thought, like this, it feels like this. Uh, it feels like the standard of the visuals in these films was elevated to the point where they can't backslide on that now. You know, they yeah, have it's to look so great. and it's so compellingly shot. Like the opening sequence in the with the house in the snow with Rami Malek's character with a mask, like mm. approaching, felt like something out of a horror movie. Kind of that was pretty yeah, it cool. did. It was actually aesthetically, it was very good and it was great. And that was are, really well. That was really really mm. well done. I thought mm. with the, the ice and the oh, I thought it was great. It was. Um, should we talk? I mean, I've been going. Should, should we sort of get a bit of ending chat? Yeah, we're doing it right. But yeah, let's yeah, let's wrap it up. So yeah. this is your warning for the ending. Spoilers. We're gonna spoil some shit. Spoilers. Fuck off if you don't want spoilers. It's a spoiler alarm. We'll leave. <laughs> we'll leave like a little time code to skip out of this, so you can hear us give our outro. <laughs> um. So. Did you know that they were going to kill James Bond? No, and they How did. How crazy didn't they? is it that they, they kept that a secret for eighteen months? Well, yeah, I mean, so you knew something was going to happen, right? You you knew, and I guess well, this is the first one that's killed Bond, right? Yeah, because it's it's also the first one that's had like uh, a, a plot that has to finish, right? Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like the other ones, I mean, like Doctor Who, you always have to have him, re- yeah. re- or her regenerate. Well, the other right? ones are like, like episodes of The Simpsons, where it's just like ah, it doesn't actually matter what happens because at the beginning of the next episode, everyone's fine, right? Except. Um, you know, sometimes you've got like if you have your um your Pierce Brosnan ones, right? Like you can't kill Pierce Brosnan's character because he's been cast in the next film. But the Bond, but there's no like there's barely any uh, transferred between the two films, so yeah. they might as well. They could happen in any order, I guess, right? Yeah. Whereas these ones, like they definitely couldn't. But so I knew that this was the latest or the last Daniel Craig film. So it was either that they were going to have him finally one more time get out. Or yeah. they were going to kill him. Yeah. And I think as soon as I saw his kid, <laughs> I like, was oh, like, kill him. this boy's going to die. Yeah. That was gonna so brutal, his, man. Going to get his fucking bussy blown out by a missile. <laughs> the bit where he realizes that he has this like genetic... So, if you don't care and you're still here and you haven't seen the movie, like <laughs> the end of the movie is that James Bond uh, get has this like kid... He, has, he finds that he has a daughter with the Bond girl, with Leah Sadu. Uh, and he's like, she initially says, he's like, well, I'm completely yours. over it. Yeah, but it's like fucking obviously. Is, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I really actually that was one of my favorite moments in the scene in the movie because um, he asks one question and it completely shifts the tone from reassurance that he would be reassured that he doesn't have this responsibility. Yeah. Because she's like, he's not saying anything, and Leah Sedu is like, it's not yours, and he's like. Really? Even with the eyes? <laughs> yeah. And it's just this one little line yeah. that completely shifts his perspective from what I would have thought he would be, which was relieved that he doesn't have a fucking child in the world that he needs to protect. Yeah. To like, he's like, God, I wish it would actually be really good if yeah. it was. Well, that's, that's one of the one of the, one of the jokes yeah. I thought was delivered really well is when they're underground in the missile silo and he's like, this is my family? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, he chokes <laughs> up on it. It's like yeah. he blocks the and word. Like, he's like, he's Emily. so good. It's like, it's like funny, but it's he's also acting really. It's like a joke, but it's kind of not a joke. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it was it was funny, but I, I remember thinking like, yeah, he really couldn't say the word family. It's fucking interesting. Yeah. That's an amazing choice. Yeah. Um. But so the tragic end of the movie is that they find out. Oh, the, the villain Rami Malek's character like uh, infects Bond with a virus he, that will he cuts him. 
uh, yeah, that will only kill his wife and child. Right. Yeah. Which is which is this insane Bond villain fucking move? I but- mean, that should have been. Yeah, that was in the final, like, the climactic moments, but I feel like that could have... I don't know, they could have done more with that. Yeah, I thought Uh, that whole final sequence of him trying to keep the doors open was so sick. I thought that was awesome. That whole sequence in that bunker, that bunker looks incredible. Probably the best part of the film. I love everything about the look of this. Mm. The car chases, man. Like, the car chase on the the, the stairs of that, like, city in the Mediterranean or wherever it was. It was in Italy, yeah. Motorcycle going up and down steps was sick. (laughs) There's one... One motorcycle stunt in this film where yeah. I think it's Craig, uh, Daniel Craig that rides it up the stairs, right? He's yeah, running. yeah, yeah. And th- this motorcycle goes up these stairs and you see the stairs before it does it and you're like, it's it can't do that. Yeah. And then it just does it. And it has spinal problems. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. they really did that shit? Holy fuck. I'm thinking about all these- He gets like 20 meters of air or some it's insane sick. shit. The, the sequence in the sinking ship where Felix dies- Yeah, that's crazy. It's fantastic. There's so many- Awesome action set pieces in this mm. that are so well done. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Bond fucking dies. They like airstrike him, and there's no way that they can show like their way out of it. Like you watch him, and the camera's no, like full on on him, and you see like a, a missile blow him up. Yeah. So my question was going to be like, what's going to happen next? Because I thought originally like it's bullshit. Like, what are they going to do? But I suppose like I never thought like every James Bond movie just resets like it actually doesn't matter yeah so we haven't talked about um is it lashana lynch yeah lashana lynch that comes in um as the replacement 007 and ends up now my initial reaction to seeing her and realizing who she was her introduction i was like what is she the next james bond no and then the answer is no and then you're like okay so is the approach that they're taking with the series that james like James Bond might stop being 007, but then now they're 007 films and she's going to be the next 007. And no. No. <laughs> no. So she's just introduced as like this that other was, I thought that was spy. Because like James Bond is... the J- Yeah, James Bond's not James Bond for like most of this movie. He's yeah. like some other fuckwit. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. an outsider and he's kind of... Yeah, and then he the ends game, up being cool. reinstated as 007, which yeah. I thought was stupid, whatever. Was but, um, but... But... Uh, yeah, Lashana Lynch does a really good job yeah. as like this character that comes in, but it did leave me wondering, like, okay, w- what now? Like, who now? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with 007? What are you gonna do with James Bond? I reckon they're gonna do a hard reset of the whole universe, man. I reckon they're gonna yeah, completely maybe. recast everything. Everybody, yeah, yeah. I- and I mean, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, like it would be weird. If like it's a shame because I really love Ray Fiennes. I love the thing that Daniel Craig's character has going on with Money Penny. Mm. Uh, and I love Q and the Ray Fiennes has only been in it for like one or two movies yeah yeah but I think that the only thing that will make sense is to do like a complete reboot a complete reset again yeah yep uh, yeah and they could do nearly anything with it and people I feel like people are still going to go and see you know fucking yeah was Judy Dench in the P.S. Brosnan ones uh, I don't know was but him? I think so maybe I don't know um but- but yeah, uh, but also they could do. It's kind of it's kind of because my other thought is that maybe they would just come back and it'll be the same cast, but Dan, but James Bond is uh, a different actor now, which would be weird. I mean, yeah, in some ways that makes sense to do because yeah. you've got this like all star cast. Yes, Judy Dench is M in Die Another Day. Um, right. It, so they so they did M. 
Yeah, M with Pierce Brosnan, Judy Dench with Pierce Brosnan, and then with Daniel Craig. Right. So they've so done they probably, that before. They probably could do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can do anything they want. Yeah. I don't think there's any... If you're doing a universe reset, you can keep the same cast. You're yeah. just resetting the well, universe. Well, because yeah. I've also had a point... I've also thought, like, because like, James Bond existed in the 60s with 60s mm. technology. Like, what if they did, like, And a... then existed in the 80s and the 90s and the noughties. So, like, it's obviously not... You can't say it's the same person. No. And you no. can't say that they exist chronologically and... It, or, like, the timeline doesn't actually make any sense. Like, I thought I know the idea everyone... was always that it was 007 and the name that they give to 007 is James Bond. Like, that's not Daniel Craig's character's real born name. I think it is. Right, yeah. but that's fucking stupid. I, th- I think it is. It's just like a... It should just... They should they should give, give themselves the out and just say, no, you don't have a name anymore. Your name is now James Bond. No, it's it's the same. It's the same character, but it's it's like in different time periods in history. Yeah, it's like, but it's I'm like Blackadder. If they want to justify it to themselves. The way I yeah, see yeah, it yeah, is sure. like James Bond yeah. is like Blackadder. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Where it's the same people in different settings, and so I think that I don't know what I would want. I I, I think that I would just want a new actor in the same. I love I love Ray Fiennes. I love Q. I love it. But like, also I'm happy with them doing something new. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with a full cast reset. I mean, like some of them are good. I didn't mm. think Ray Fiennes really stood out that much in this, but he wasn't no. really given too much of an opportunity to do yeah. rare things like it was Judy, so wrapped Judy up was, yeah and she Judy, was amazing excellent just absolutely excellent i think that's part of the problem is for, it's funny because i would have said at first mm. um for me james bond was pierce brosnan yeah now it's daniel craig but judy dench is still m you know yeah yeah i don't have any final thoughts i feel like we've been largely very negative because because I, I enjoyed the movie but i think if this story had a bit more sense to it and the characters a bit more fleshed out this would have been a favourite for me it's a positive experience for me yeah. I just uh, wish that it had had the same honestly just fix the villain if you yeah. fix the villain and do a little bit more work around their motivation the nanobots the nanovirus like global virus shit wasn't even a big problem like I think that's close to working I think it's, it's just it was a bit confusing the fact that it can be yeah. one person and then all these uh, and then lots of different like a whole race of people, and then like when when it got into Daniel Craig, like I was confused why it didn't kill Daniel Craig if they were his like wife and daughter. But it's just genetically for the two of them. Co- yeah, so there was yeah like a something that was a bit confusing where you can look back on it and think like oh no I can actually see that makes sense but like they didn't they don't explain it early enough. Mm. I feel like there needs to be like a, Which like a means- Doctor Evil style like this is my plan like scene. Yeah, yeah. Which again, like I think is a great scene to write. Because you've got a villain monologue, like those are there's yeah. some fucking great villain monologues. I can see the instinct to want to avoid it because it's like a dumb like exposition a thing. But, but like it happens in the Skyfall with Javier Bardem, and that was great. Where because he like peels his face away. So much charisma in that yeah. fucking performance, and there's so much tension between yeah. those two characters while it's happening. There's no tension between Rami Malek and uh, Daniel Craig. No, they don't know each other, which is yeah. like, which I think is why that the I'll have to find the commode thing and uh, link it to you because it was really compelling the way that. Um, Mark Kermode described this as like a no this movie is about Daniel Craig's bond and him retiring and getting with his family all he cares about is his family and his wife and kid and it's like a chore for him to be torn away into this weird dumb goofy bond plot when all he wants to do is just be with his wife and kid and like yeah but if you want me to care about the fact that he died like Rami Malek is the one that caused him to be on that fucking island. Yeah. And so I need to care about Rami Malek yeah. because it I need to feel like there's some great injustice that's been done to this character that pulled him onto the fucking island. And the great injustice is a combination of 
the fact that he now has this newly discovered family and the selfishness of the villain. And I just didn't get enough satisfaction from the selfishness of the villain. Because he doesn't have much... Because there's also this weird bit with uh, Christoph Waltz's character, the Blofeld, Ernst Blofeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's... It's just almost too many villains. Like, if yes. they spend all the time with Ernest Blofeld, with Christoph Waltz's character, fleshing out Rami Malek's character a bit more, then you... Because he doesn't feel... Rami Malek's character doesn't really feel very dangerous. I got a, I got a hot take, and then I'll, this will be my last hot take, and then yeah. um, I'll wind up. <laughs> and then you'll start agreeing with everything I say and everything from <laughs> now on. <laughs> Rami Malek did a good job in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure why he's famous. Other than that, you know, like, I just right. don't think he's... I've never seen a performance uh, out of him other than an impression. I think that, that his, I think his performance in this was actually good. I kind of uh, liked his performance. I just don't think he was given very much to work with. Maybe it's that, but... I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, wouldn't, kind of, I wouldn't cast he him. He was on, like, you know? Mr. Robot, some, like, weird I'd American cast him for the comedy. Name. Yeah, I know, but I don't... I, I, yeah, I haven't seen any of that. Um, and that seems so different to what he's trying to do here. So I'm not sure where weird, they got the idea that it's almost like he was cast entirely for look, not for on-screen presence. Yeah. And I just didn't feel I wasn't I wasn't in on it. You know. So yeah, yeah I don't right. know. I just I wish they'd cast someone else. Basically. Um, yeah. Sorry to Rami Malek if you end up listening to this, brother. All the best. I <laughs> think you're amazing. All in, the way through this. I think you're amazing in Bohemian Rhapsody. And don't listen to our episode on that because I probably shout on you in that too. Like, no, no, Rami. They insult you like five times, but then the sixth time, yeah. he like comp- he packages it with He a says, also, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's probably all we got. I don't know if that was much of a review. I think it was good. I think we've done well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you, you know what you're fucking in for for a Bond film. But I think this is a good one. Like, mm. in terms of like, it's. This was a great one, and I remember stuff from this movie uh, in a way that I haven't from the other ones. Yeah, I think it was a good experience despite itself in some ways. Yeah, and I yeah. loved, in summary, I loved the goofy flavor. This this was like Skyfall or like Casino Royale with a bit of goofy, dumb shit like dropped in. Like This is like literally like genetically engineered nanobots and shit mm. like and they've got a bit more of the gadgets back with the I was just about to say I don't think they have I don't I think the gadgets are still under underbaked they can't go into it too hard I know I said in summary I'm happy to get back into it I could talk with this forever um <laughs> I cuz in the first one uh he gets like a first aid kit and a car, and he's like yeah and he oh. fucking and yeah. <laughs> Q goes like what were you expecting an exploding pen we don't really do that anymore or whatever there's one of those where Q yeah, says but that do like, it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess like I guess so mobile phones kind of ruined like, everything. Yeah. Oh no, but like the 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 PS Brosnan ones and some of those old James Bond ones are so fucking goofy. He gets yeah, like really stupid. Yeah, yeah like, like a buzzsaw bezel on your watch. And yeah, shit, shit yeah. like that, or like yeah, all sorts of insane James yeah. Bond gadgets. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like after the Daniel Craig movies, are like, oh, what, what? You want an exploding pen? Oh, we don't do that anymore. You can't hey, go you to... Like, fucking idiot. He gets an EMP in his watch. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, it is still cool, though, when someone gets a... Like, he gets the EMP in the watch, you're like, all right, can't wait to watch him kill... Can't wait for, like, the, the thing that that was written for. Yeah, I think the defib in the car is such a fucking good scene. I don't know if you can really top that. That's where yeah. he's, like, defibrillating himself. That shit fucking rules. Yeah. I gotta watch. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch Casino Royale and, and had, Skyfall again. I have Casino Royale on UMD. That's like the, <laughs> P- the PSP yeah. discs. Oh god, that makes yeah. <laughs> oh, I get such a when I think about the fact that UMDs existed. I'm like, what the fuck were we thinking, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I was like, man's hubris became too much. I know. They're just so. 
Why is it shaped like that, dude? <laughs> anyway. Why is it in a plastic case? Yeah. Um, well, that probably helped protect it from fucking children, you know? Yeah. All those children trying to get me UMDs. UMDs nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> wrapping up. Yeah, I think it was worth it. Um, I think they were... Like a tough challenge to surmount, right? Where you've yeah. got to give Daniel Craig a nice send-off. And I think it, I think it managed nailed, that. I think they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if they could have done much of a better job given the given the stuff that they had to do. But yeah. it was good. Like, you know, I think I'm usually going to be like a colder on a film than, than you are. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I've liked this the more I think about it. When I came out of it, I was like, that was all right. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm enjoying it. I've had that reaction and stayed that reaction. And I've now identified what what I would have changed. Yeah. Or at least what I felt like I was a little bit let down by, which was just, yeah, the villain and the overall overarching story that I really didn't tap into. But yeah. I feel like someone pointed out to me that maybe these films have like really stupid overarching stories like the spectre th- i don't know the spectre thing kind of they makes all, sense it's just yeah like, they, they do it's just it's, deep state it's kind of like yeah they do the more you look at them like they all have a dumb like nanobots kind mm. of story so but it's just a matter of like how they actually like yeah so them. i don't know i don't yeah. know what what why this one didn't quite land but right. anyway pretty good Pretty good. Worth the wait. Can't wait another six years for the next one. Yeah. I have no idea who the next Bond, Bond is going to be. I'm pretty sick of all these articles that are like, Tom Hardy's going to be the next James Bond. Like, no, he's fucking not cunt. They have never cast like a mainstream famous actor right, as they James always Bond. Get someone that's they off, always get someone unknown and a bit yeah. off the radar. Like, no, they're not going to fucking cast... Uh, the spider twink as James Bond. Yeah, Tom Holland. Yeah. No, they're not going to. Idris Elba is too famous now. You can't. The, Idris Elba is not going to be James Bond. He's fifty. They're going to cast someone that is like twenty-eight that no one's ever heard of. I would. Uh, I would. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I. I actually. Um. I think that's one of the best. And it's like one of the few things that's actually going to get me excited about the next Bond film is. Um, is yeah the the fact that they if I hope they stick to that casting approach because yeah. I do want to see someone that I don't fucking know absolutely knock yeah. it out of the park exactly I don't want to see uh fucking oh, what's the Superman Chris guy? fucking Pratt yeah if they cast Chris Pratt as fuck can you imagine James Chris Bond? Pratt as James Bond I can't imagine it nah that would nah because nah. this nah. it would be shit. Yeah, it would be. Of course, it would be. No, they'll cast a, they'll cast a British person. Like What's I know the, they won't, but I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't want it to be. All anyone these like fucking that. articles that are like, oh, it's the guy. Who's the guy who played Superman? That guy, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's going to oh, be James right. Bond. Like, no, he's fucking not. Yeah. No, he's not. He's Superman. Like, yeah, they're going to cut. They, they, they always cut. Oh, yeah. it's driving me. It's <laughs> driving Capaldi, me. They, they should make Peter Capaldi James Bond. Fuck yeah! It's driving Fuck. me absolutely Fuck. insane. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them because yeah. Uh, oh, I've, go- I've been googling who is James Bond like. Like Just it's been a good little bit on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. That's all we got. I think this yeah. movie is better than the two shit ones. It's worse than the two good ones. I don't know about the two good ones. It's definitely worse than Skyfall, but I don't remember Spectre enough to say whether or not it's better or worse. Casino Royale and Skyfall are the good ones. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Yes. Agreed. 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 Fast. Those two good. I whizzed through that because I thought we all knew which ones are the good ones and the bad ones, but you're sorry. like, oh, no. Yeah, just cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed with Agreed. what you just said With Great. no dialogue in between I reckon next week's episode bro We haven't discussed this in person yet But I reckon next week we're going to do uh, Last Night in Soho Is it out? Yeah 
Oh, it's out now. It's out. Oh, fuck yeah. We should see that. Great. Cool. Next week, we're going to do Last Night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright movie. So stick around for next week. Uh, you can email us if you want, beefstationpod at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. If you search uh, Beef Station Podcast on Facebook, we've got a discussion group and we've got a page that we're trying to trying to be better at updating when new episodes come out and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, pop in and post on the um, page if you want us to watch something. Yeah, or or, a, yeah let us know. Us email us. Send us, a pa- send us a message. Let us know what you want us to watch uh, and we'll, we will watch it. There's a whole bunch of shit coming out soon. In the man, I'm really excited. We mm. got we got last night in Soho. We got the new uh, fucking PTA PTA movie the coming Chris out Pizza. soon. We got yeah. the new Wes Anderson movie coming out soon. French Dispatch is going to be good. There Dune coming up Dune super soon. Coming up soon. There Actually, is fuck the next episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Dune's coming out in a week. Oh oh yeah. Maybe we should do that. Last night in Soho first. That came out last week. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Cool. Maybe we're watching June next week. I feel like I'm, get, I'm, get, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> No, I just think more people are going to be interested in doing them last All right. night. So. By the time we have finished this discussion, this episode, this episode will have been edited and posted. We probably Great. will have watched the movie and it'll be in the description. So the, the listeners are looking Check at it being like, Oscar, you're kidding yourself. You've watched June. He's, he's, he's worn you down. All right. Uh, I agree chronologically. I think Dune has more of an audience. How's that? Interesting. Than an Edgar Wright film, though? I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. None of this is making it in, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. It's making it in if we end up watching Last Night and Silent. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you, uh, I don't know, in fucking six weeks or some shit. Who knows? Probably. <laughs> see you. Well, no, we're going to have to crank them out. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. We're going to masturbate bye, now. Bye, bye. That's what he meant by crank them out. <laughs> that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs>